Thank you for listening to the Modesto Foursquare podcast. We hope that this message encourages and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Please know that you can always join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, 510 Bernie Street in Modesto. You can also find more information on our website at ModestoFoursquare.com. We are, I think, four weeks into our new series. Um, I guess it's not new at this point. We're halfway, halfway through. It's eight, eight or nine weeks there. We're calling it Let's Get Real, and we're talking about the basics of our faith in Jesus. Um, We're hoping to explore the fundamentals, the foundations of what it means to live as Christians, right? Sometimes we like to get really complicated and complex with our spirituality, with our understanding of the Bible, and sometimes even I've, I've had people come to the church and they would say, well, I don't have a master's degree in theology, or I haven't, I haven't read, you know, my father-in-law has read like, I don't know, 17 or 20 translations of the Bible. Well, I haven't read, I haven't read 17 translations of the Bible, so I, I must not be a good enough Christian, right? Or I don't have a degree in this or a degree in that, and, and we're going to set aside this need for a doctorate in theological studies, church, and we're going to just get into the understanding the simple and easy terms that Jesus explains in the Gospels, right? Remember, Jesus came as the son of a carpenter, okay? He came with humble roots. He didn't use complex language. Even you see the Apostle Paul say this, I don't come with, with eloquent language or eloquent prayers. I come with simplicity of talk. Even if you look into the Old Testament, you see Moses, right? That was his whole sticking point. God, I don't have all these great words to say. I don't know all the right things to say. If you look at the, the, the wholeness of Scripture, you realize that God comes for simple people, right? Aren't you glad for that? I'm a pretty simple person, right? My dad was actually a carpenter too, so I'm going to claim that for myself. If Jesus was the son of a carpenter, I'm the son of a carpenter too. So I'm going to accept that as a, as a spiritual thing. So... Oftentimes, we even see that Jesus in the Gospels, he confronted religious people who were making things complicated, right? Making rules around rules around rules around rules so that they wouldn't actually break the rule that was in the middle, and they were making all these other things around it, right? And it was like, okay, you can't tie your left shoe on Wednesdays, and you can't tie your right shoe on Thursdays, and you can't drink from this water, and you can't eat this food, and you can't do, right? There was all these things you can't can't, can't do, right? But Jesus comes and we see, we see that he just makes it simple, right? He makes it, it's simple yet it's profound. I I love what it says in Matthew 20 verses 25 through 28. Jesus says it this way. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you They're supposed to go get a theological degree. Is that what it says? They're supposed to go study to be a pastor. They're supposed to go lead a thousand people to the Lord. Is that what it says? No. Whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Right? Isn't the message of Jesus just simple, right? That he came so that we might be saved. That... That as we receive the salvation into our hearts and our lives, we proclaim that, right? We talked about that our first week of salvation, right? Believe in our hearts, confess with our tongues that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we're saved, right? And then we become a servant of all, right? That's, that's really the three stages of Christianity. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and become a servant, 
right? Serve other people, care about other people, that Jesus came not to be the ruler over all, right, but to be the servant of all. Don't you love that? And it's for all people, right? It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. It doesn't matter any of those things. God doesn't look, right? Scripture says God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart, right? Right? He doesn't look at the, the outside of the cup that's been washed clean, right? He looks at the inside of the cup, right? I love that. That's such a good picture for me because my kids, sometimes they'll say that they cleaned something, right? They'll say that, and you're like, you know, maybe it's the outside of a cup. They washed it off in the sink or something. And then you look inside, you're like, oh, there's still like juice in here. You know, like the other day, Silas put a, a biscuit, you know, the, the little biscuits from Costco. He put it inside of the water. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen. And um, it's not about what's, what's on the outside, right? It's about the transformation on the inside of us, right? It's what God does within us. And And so this morning, we're going to be talking, we're going to be simplifying, what does it look like to get real with the Word of God again? What does it look like to return to our love for the Bible, right? What does it look like to come to the Scriptures with a renewed hunger and a renewed perspective, right? How do we come afresh and anew, day by day, whether we're 25 or we're 85? How do we come to the scriptures again and say, God, what do you have for me today through your word? How do we come and say, why, and not say, well, I read that last week, or I read that a year ago, or Pastor Ken talked about that two years ago, or whatever. We, we, we come in and we say, well, we know that already. How do we set aside maybe what we think we know and reconnect with a hunger for God's word, right? Allow it to renew us and change us, right? Allow it to transform, right? The Bible is not a book. We're going to talk about that a lot this morning. It's not a book. How do we allow the scriptures to transform the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act, right? It's a transformational text, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit. All right, with your finger in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read verses 10 through 17. This morning, again, I'm reading out of the NIV, um, whatever one you have. I, personally, I read out of the ESV for my, for my uh, personal devotion time. Sometimes I read out of the NLT. Um, Cassie's currently reading through the message. So whatever, whatever one you have on your phone is wonderful or in your personal Bible. But Verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. That's a cool message, right? You want to follow Jesus? It's going to be awesome, but you're going to be persecuted, right? That, that's, that one sells, right? Persecution, right? Everybody's like, yeah, I want to come to know Jesus. I'm going to be persecuted, right? <laughs> While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And now, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes you might ask yourself, um, why I read so much extra of Scripture, because sometimes I, you might say, well, why don't you just get to the point, Pastor? Talk about the, the part that talks about the Scripture. Well, we have to read it in context, right? There's, there's these contextual things. There are things that are going on in Paul's life or in Jesus' life that affect what he's talking about in that passage. And so sometimes 
I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. I'm going to read more scripture than we need because we have to set the context of what's going on, right? We don't get to just, one of the things about the Bible is we don't get to just pick a verse wherever we want and use it however we want, right? We all know probably that I could pick a scripture out of the Bible and just pluck it out and I could use it to describe whatever I wanted to describe, right? I could make it, you know, say whatever I wanted to say, right? But that's why we read it in context, that's why we take a larger passage of Scripture and we say, we're going to chew on this thing and eat on it. We're going, to, we're going to treat it like how it should be treated, right? And not allow it to just fit the needs of what I want, right? Instead, I'm going to allow God to do what he wants to do through me. And so we find the Apostle Paul in this passage speaking with his disciple Timothy about the power and value of the Scriptures in our everyday lives. And he says all of it, right, all of it comes straight from God. Not some of it, not just the New Testament, not just the Gospels, right? I have people in church even tell me, well, I don't read the Old Testament because that that's not good anymore, right? Jesus came. We don't need that anymore, right? What is he saying here? All Scripture, all of it, 100% is God-breathed, right? And useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It is there to teach and correct and train us to look more like Jesus, even the Old Testament parts, even the hard parts, right? Even the parts are like, what is going on here, right? Go read like the book of Isaiah or the book of Jeremiah, right? Besides, we always read Jeremiah 29, right? That's the one we like, but go read the other parts of Jeremiah, right? There's some hearts. Go read Leviticus. Go read Exodus. Go read Judges, or we love Judges. It's like, well, God came in and he just, whoom, did this great thing. It's like, well, think about all the other people in the book of Judges or the book of Joshua, right? Go read the hard parts. It's stories about men and women who endured unspeakable things to serve the Lord, right? Throughout the, throughout the text, unspeakable things. Think of Job in the Bible. Endured unspeakable things to serve Jesus, right? Think of Paul endured unspeakable things to serve Jesus, right? Isn't it inspiring to look at people? And I love looking at not only the amazing things they do, but their faults, right? I love that every person in scripture is a person, right? Paul is not a God. David is not a God. Jeremiah is not a God. Isaiah is not a God. They're just normal people. And often they're found running from God because they're like, I don't want to go do that, that seems too hard. That persecution seems like too much, right? The Bible is filled with men and women who are running from God, and God just like pulls that rope right back. All right, we're going to use you. Whether you want to or not, we've got stuff to do. Their journeys should inspire us. The scriptures, Paul says, should make us wise. The Bible should help us grow. This is the message of Paul in 2 Timothy. You see, church, the Bible is more than a book. It's the very words of God spoken to us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How many times have you had the Bible judge the thoughts and attitudes of your heart? Right? And you're like, you're reading it, you're like, oh, oh. Jesus, that one hurts, man. You divided soul and marrow right there. That didn't feel so good, right? Maybe confronted you on something that, that you didn't want to be confronted about in that moment, right? It's the very word of God is spoken to us. There's power in the scriptures. 
Because the Lord himself lives in the text. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? This is not just a very old book written over 2,000 years ago. Some written 4,000 years ago. Right? To tell us about a good guy named Jesus. Right? It's not a book. It's not like a biography about George Washington. Okay? It's not a biography about Thomas Edison. Right? It's not a biography about whoever. It is the very essence of God spoken to us, right? It's God's love letter to his people. And I believe, along with lots of other pastors and scholars, that the scriptures are the main way that God speaks to his people, right? I have so many people regularly say, why well, I don't feel like I've ever heard God for myself. And I tell them, then you probably haven't really been reading the Bible, right? Because if you read the Bible, the Lord will speak to you, right? It's it's the predominant avenue which with, with which the Lord uses to communicate to his followers. I wish that God would go, tell all of us, like, you know, like uh, in the Bible when they would go, hey, you, go do this, right? And they would audibly hear the voice of God, right? I wish that I had done that before. God's never done that to me. Maybe he has to you, right? And maybe you can teach us how that works for you. But for the rest of us, we mostly hear from, from reading the scriptures, Right? It's meant to direct us. It's meant to guide us. It's made to teach us and challenge us, to draw us closer to Jesus, sometimes to make us mad, right? Like, God, I don't want to go do that. Uh, that seems too hard, right? It's meant to change our thinking. It's meant to transform our lives. That's what the scriptures are there for us. But do you know the bummer about this? I'm going to tell you a couple of bummer statements this morning. Research says that only 11% of self-professing Christians read the Bible daily. 11% of self-professing Christians read the Bible daily. 30% of Christ followers read the Bible once a week. 20% of Christians have read the Bible all the way through. I don't know, church. That doesn't seem like we're reading the Bible enough, does it? If the Bible is the very Word of God, if it is the image of the Lord, if it is powerful, if it is life-giving, and if God himself dwells in these words, if it is really that good for us, why are we not really reading it? Right? I mean, these are statistics. These are like Christian research groups. This is not just like Google or something that have done this research, right? This is evangelicals. This isn't even like, this isn't even Catholics or, or mainline Protestants. These are like evangelical, Bible-believing, you know, uh, born-again Christians. And this is the statistics for us. And again, this, this, this morning is not meant to be a slap the hand, you're bad kind of conversation. But it's to remind us that many of us have lost our spiritual swords, right? Scripture talks about the Word being the sword of the Spirit, right? That it, that it does this amazing work in us. Even as I came to Modesto Foursquare Church and I, I get to un, unpeel the, the, I think this building's been here since the 60s, I get to un, unpeel the last 60 years of stuff that's been accumulated. I find things in rooms that are like, where did this come from? I don't even think this was out when Pastor Ken was here. It has so much dust on it. But I found these, this huge stack of Bibles, and you might have noticed I put it in the fellowship hall and let people take those home. 
And I, I, I wondered to myself, how many people have lost their swords? They've lost their swords at church, some of them for years and years. One person, it had been over a decade that their Bible was here. And I get that maybe they have another Bible at home, or maybe they read on their, on, on their phones, right? And that's great. But I think for many of us, the, the picture is there that how many of us have lost the Word of God? How many of us have lost our swords? We've set it on a shelf and we forgot about it, right? That's what I wonder this morning. And again, this isn't a hand-slapping message. It isn't to beat us up. But it's to remind us to go back to the basics and fundamentals of our faith. And that at the core of an intimate, ongoing relationship with Jesus is an intimate, ongoing relationship with the Bible, right? You guys alive? Everybody breathing? Yeah. All right. And so at the center of this talk this morning, I want to ask us a few questions, and then we're going to dive into a few points this morning. What are we feeding ourselves as Christians? What are we, what are we consuming in our lives, right? We consume a lot of content, right? We, there's like TikTok and stuff. I'm not on TikTok, but people watch TikTok videos, and I've heard people watch them for like hours. They're like these little short videos, and all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, spent like five hours watching TikTok. Or I, I sit on the, on, the, uh, on the couch sometimes, and I'm, I'm like death scrolling through my phone on Facebook, right? Or on Instagram or whatever, right? And we, or we watch television, or we watch news, or we listen to the radio, right? We're feeding ourselves content all the time, right? But our, is what we're feeding ourselves, is it good? Is what we're feeding ourselves God? Is what we're feeding ourselves the lifeblood of our Christianity? Are we feeding ourselves encouragement and challenge and transformation? Are we feeding ourselves Jesus, right? Or, or are we feeding ourselves 1% Jesus and 99% a bunch of other stuff that's not going to help our souls, right? Because we're all consuming content, right? It's everywhere. It's on billboards. It's, I mean, they got billboards that like light up and stuff. They got all, I mean, we got big TVs in church, all these things, right? We, we, we're feeding ourselves things this morning. And that's our question to us. What are we feeding ourselves? And my desire is that we would, we would come to the Scriptures, we would crack open the Bible, right, with a renewed passion and allow the words of God to wreck us all over again, right? To wreck us, to mess us up, right? To change our life, right? To transform where we're going. This gets me to my first point about the Bible. The Bible is dangerous. It's dangerous, I read an article this last week, and this isn't meant to get us all politically whatever, because I don't care about those things. But I read this article that there's a city in the state of Utah that is, uh, the school district is trying to ban the Bible, right? Because it has too much offensive or sensitive material in it, right? And if you read the book of Judges, there's some sensitive material in there. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's some tough things to explain, right, in the Bible. But the world knows that the Bible is a dangerous text for a different reason than we know it's a dangerous text. This isn't meant to be a political call to action, right? But the scriptures are dangerous because they won't let us stay who we are. That's why they're dangerous. I would say to you, don't read the Bible if you're, if you're okay with being the same. Don't read the Bible if you don't want to change. Don't read the Bible if you don't want to be challenged. Don't read the Bible if you don't want to be transformed. If you want to just stay exactly the same, then just set the Bible in the corner and let it build up dust, 
right? That's, that's perfectly okay if you want to do that. Because Isaiah 55, 11 says that when we read the scriptures, that they always complete their intended work, that they never leave us empty. They always fill us, right? Again, in Hebrews 12, right? The word of God is alive and active. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, right? Does that seem like a book that's going to allow you to remain the same? No. It's a dangerous book because it's going to ask you to do dangerous things. It isn't just a sweet little book that we can have these little nice statements that we, we put up on little art pieces in our house and we get to say, well, I love Jesus because, you know, for me and my house, we serve the Lord, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But it's not just a bunch of sweet quotes that we put on coffee mugs and, and pieces of art in our house, right? It penetrates our lives and our hearts. It accomplishes a deep work within us. It conforms us into the image of Jesus. It helps us fight the powers of the enemy of our soul, right? We talked about last week a little bit. We don't battle against flesh and blood, right? We all have battles in this life. We all have challenges. We all have difficulties. And even when it comes in the form of a person, it's not a person, right? We don't battle people, right? We battle an enemy of our soul who will use whatever necessary to take us out, right? And so the Bible is a dangerous text. But the Bible is also a weapon against the enemy, Ephesians 6.2, again, says we don't battle against people, but against the evil one. When things come against us, we're not fighting bad people, but we're fighting an evil enemy of our souls, right? So when these attacks come and we encounter deep challenges, we fight back with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This idea is found in, in Ephesians 6, verse 17, which talks about the full armor of God, right? Putting on the full armor of God. Because when we go outside of this place, or even sometimes we're in this place, the enemy is coming at us all the time, right? There's challenges and there are difficulties, right? There's things that we face. Church, life is hard at times, right? It's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to tithe. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to not want to yell at people. It's hard not to run your, want to run your car into people, right? When they cut you off. Or when you're in Southern California and you realize people drive stinking slow down here. You're like, hurry up, we got a place to go. It's like all of a sudden you come over the grapevine, man, and my brain starts to explode because my Northern California driving's wanting to go. And these LA people are just like, oh, let's go 65 and just like cruise down the highway, you know? And so sometimes it's hard. My argument, this is not on topic. My argument is if everybody just went fast, there would be no traffic, right? Nobody would stop. If we all just decided to go fast, none of us would ever have to go slow, right? It's not in the Bible. It's just my personal opinion. But the Bible is a weapon against the enemy. We can stand in the promises found in the scriptures, right? We don't stand in the current things we face, but we stand in what God says about us. And how do we know what God says about us unless we read the scriptures? We have hope and joy found in what the Lord lays out in, in the word, even when we cannot yet see the results of it, right? How many of us are waiting on a promise of God, right? We feel like scripture or God has spoken something to us and it hasn't yet come, right? And there are days when we don't feel like that thing's ever going to happen, right? And then we go back to the scriptures and we say, no, God said, this, right? 
you guys are probably very smart. I am not always that smart. And so sometimes I, I, I get a little distracted and I get a little discouraged. And, and sometimes God has to knock me on the head and say, no, I said this, right? We get to stand on the promises of God. I had a pastor friend of mine once, and this is probably going to offend you. It's okay. He used to say, we have to be willing to say hell no to the enemy, right? Hell no. You don't have that place in my brain. You don't have that place in my life. You don't get to do anything in me. I'm going to stand on the promises of God, and I'm going to say no to hell in my life, right? When we face difficulties in this life, we get to fight back with the word of God. It is a sword. Is a sword a defensive tool? It is a, I mean, it is defensive, but in its, in its core, it's an offensive, right? We get to come at the enemy. We get to take him down, right? We come at Satan with the truth of the gospel. We stand in the realities laid out in Scripture. Don't we even see in the gospels that when Jesus is tempted, right, he's on the mountain, and the enemy comes at him, Satan comes at him and tells him, you can have all of these things, and I'm going to let you be the king over all these things. What does Jesus come back with? Does he come back with really well-sounding arguments? No, he comes back with the scriptures. He says, no, what you're saying to me is not true because this is what the Bible says about that. No, that's not true because this is what the scriptures say, right? And how many of us need to do that in our lives where we we come at the enemy not with well-sounding arguments, but we come back and we say, no, this is what my God says, right? This is what the scriptures say to me. And again, how do we do that if we don't actually know the Bible, right? We fight back with the word of God. Number three, the Bible feeds us. It feeds us. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13 says, And so we also thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as human word, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The Bible, it's at work in us. Even this morning, we read it. I, I joke often that, that pastors really should just stand up front and just read the Bible and just get off the stage, right? Because the Bible works in us all on its own. It doesn't need any explanation, right? I'm glad it has some explanation because sometimes things are a little bit confusing. I need somebody to explain it to me, right? But it is, is at work in all who believe, right? Again, this is not a book, church. It's the very words of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light into my path. It leads and guides us. It shows us how to live this life, Right? Psalm 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in your heart that I might not sin against you, right? It helps us stay on the straight and narrow. It helps us walk in purity and in righteousness. It's hard to abandon God when you're reading the Bible. It's hard to want to sin when you're reading the Bible, right? Job 23 verse 12 says, describes the word as our daily bread, Right? But, but if statistics are true, a lot of us are real hungry because we haven't been eating our daily bread, not even once a week, right? We've all been fasting from the Bible, right? And that's not something you want to fast from, all right? When I ask you to pray and fast, you know, at the beginning of every year, please don't pick your Bible to pray and fast from, all right? Pick something else. It's our daily bread. 
Scriptures are our food. They sustain us. They feed our souls. They help us connect with the living God. So how do we, church, rekindle this connection with the Bible again? How do we look at the Scriptures with fresh eyes and open hearts? How do we read, not just out of duty, but out of desperation for God? Number one, we have to see it differently. It is the word of God. It is our spiritual sword. We have to dust it off. We have to let us be transformed by it again. Even the same passage that you've read a thousand times. A thousand and one, God wants to say something different than what he said on 999, which is different than what he said on number two, right? God has something different for us every day, even in the same passage. He will give us fresh, because our life has changed. Our situation has changed. God hasn't changed. The scripture doesn't change. But what we're going through in that moment is very different than what we went through last time we read it. Right? And plus, scripture always says that God is doing new things. Right? Aren't you glad he's doing new things? Aren't you glad he doesn't just regurgitate what he did to you last week or the week before? Right? That we get to have, it's, it's not just bread. It's fresh bread. Right? It's straight out of the oven bread. This isn't like, three-day-old bread that I'm picking up, you know, no offense from the gospel rescue mission that are donating to the church. It's not stale bread. This is fresh bread, right? Straight out of the oven bread from the Lord, right? We have to allow old passages to bring new life. We have to allow it to hit us right between the eyes. Like I said, sometimes the Bible is going to offend you, and maybe that's exactly what God has for you that day. Maybe you need to be offended by something that's going on or something you need to deal with. Practically, I encourage us to read. Read, I mean, sorry, pray before we read. I often pray, God, speak to me through your word today. Show me one verse. Show me one little passage that you have for me today in whatever it is that I'm reading, right? Practically pray before you read, right? Ask the Lord to point out a verse or two that he has for you that day. Find a translation practically that makes sense to you right? If you read King James and there's a lot of thous and those and these, right? And that doesn't make any sense to you, then, then read another translation, right? Find one that speaks in a language that you can understand, church, right? Commit to a time of day and a location to read the word. God, this is my, this is my chair, right? Cassie and I have these chairs that we bought even before our kids were born. We're like, these are going to be our chairs, I'm going to sit in this chair every day at this time and I'm going to read my Bible, right? I'm going to bring my ESV or my my NLT or my King James or whatever one you want. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in this spot and at this time every day I'm going to spend time with you. And sometimes life happens, right? We don't need to beat ourselves up when we miss it, right? But let's, let's make a plan, right? When you want to do something in your life, don't you plan it out? You want to go on a really good vacation, right? Do you just normally just pick up your stuff and, and, and take the clothes that you're wearing on your back and just go, right? No gas in the car, no snacks. I mean, if I didn't bring snacks on a trip, my kids would all die, and we, we would all die probably. We plan ahead of time. We go to Costco. We get all the stuff so they're all ready, right? No, we plan for it, right? So commit to a time and a day. Find partners that would read the same passage with you that would read the, like, hey, Daria, why don't, can we read the book of James together? And I'm sure Daria would love to read the book of James with you or Mark or whoever, somebody from the group. And, and then you get together once a month or once a week or however much time you have and talk about the Bible together. Talk about the scriptures and say, you know, 
Bob, I read this passage in, in Leviticus, and I didn't understand anything about it. And I'm sure Bob would love to tell you all about it, right? Or Bob will say, I didn't understand that either. Let's go look for some more information, right? But read together. Read with your family. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse, right? Study the scriptures together. These are all practical steps that we can take to have fresh perspective. Number two, don't just read, meditate on the word. Scripture says over and over again to meditate on the things of God, right? It's not just about reading. I'm not a big book reader. I don't know if you guys know that about me. My wife reads like, I don't know, 100 books a year or something, and it makes me feel really bad because I just don't like to read that much. But the Bible is not a book to read, right? As a youth pastor used to tell my students, the Bible is like a really good steak. If you don't like steak, if you're a vegan, I apologize for this illustration ahead of time. But it's like a really good steak, right? Somebody makes you like a nice filet, or I don't really like filet, but a nice New York steak, you know? And you cut off a little sliver of it, right? And you put it in your mouth, and you just you kind of suck on it and chew on it a little bit, right? You just, it's, not, it's not ground beef. We're not having ground beef every morning, right? It's a good steak. We chew on it, right? We eat it slowly. We savor it, right? We enjoy it. And so when we read again, let's take time to pray, Let's go on a walk with Jesus and say, God, I, I just read the Bible. What did you want to say to me? Talk to me about what you want to say to me, right? Journal. I've been starting to journal again. Those scriptures that God points out to me every day, I just write down a little scripture and I write down a little prayer to the Lord. Thank you for sharing that with me, God. Here's what, what I have for you today, right? Take time to think and pray. Don't read for speed, right? Read. Don't read for a gold star on the day. You don't you don't get a gold star in heaven just because you cracked open the Bible, right? We want to read because we want to meet Jesus, right? We want to learn and grow and be transformed by the very words of God. Read, go on a walk with God, talk to him about what he said to you. Take time to pray the scriptures over your life, right? It's powerful. I'm telling you, praying the scriptures is way more powerful than whatever you're going to pray, okay? I'm just letting you know that ahead of time, right? Whatever we're going to pray, and, and, and some of you guys are really great prayers. I've heard you go on and on and on uh, prayers, um, we had a man in our youth ministry. His name was John. He, he's gone to be with Jesus now, but he was like an old, uh, I think he was like a Presbyterian minister at some point or one of those things. And he used to be like, oh God, you know, he was just like this real eloquent prayer, you know, and he would put his hands together. Oh God, we welcome you here today. You know, some of you guys are good prayers like John Sedin. Um, but even you good prayers, the scriptures are better to pray over your life than what you're going to say, right? Take time to read the scriptures over your life and the life of your family. Take time to pray them over your kids, even if they're grown. Take time to pray them over your grandkids. Take time to pray them over people in your church, right? Read with your spouse. Read with your children. Talk about what God is saying to you. I'm re- I, I admittedly am bad at this, um, Cassie will often, we'll talk some about what God is saying to us, but go talk to your spouse. It's really hard to fight with your spouse when you're talking about what Jesus is saying to you, right? Like, it's really hard to be mad at them when they're saying, well, I feel like God's telling me X, Y, and Z, right? Isn't that like the greatest marriage counseling? It's just to talk about what the scriptures are saying to us, right? Talk about those things. Number three, I'm getting to the end here, guys, I promise. Only three more hours, so... I'm not as fast as Mark Oliver, man. He just gets straight to the point. Wednesday and Sunday, he did, you did such a great job. It was awesome. And, but it was like, I, I was thinking, as soon as he started, I was like, he's going to be done in like 10 minutes max. And he just like, boom, 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 pray. We need Jesus, you know? Um, 
I appreciate that about him, but this one's a little longer this morning. But last one, allow it to penetrate your heart. Come to your time with the Lord with an open heart, ready to be challenged, willing to be wrong, right? Do you know that sometimes you're wrong? Sometimes I'm wrong? Even about the Bible? Sometimes we can become so entrenched. Well, this is what I believe, right? This is what I believe. And God's saying, you knucklehead. Well, you've been believing this whole time. That was dumb. That's not the truth. Let me tell you something different, right? Just because you believe it real hard and you dig your heels in doesn't make it right, church. Just because you're stubborn as an ox doesn't make it right. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to be teachable. Be willing to allow God to do his work. The Bible is transformative all on its own. It is powerful. It is effective. So let's embrace the word afresh and anew, right? Let's embrace the words of God to us. Let's come at every scripture every morning and say, God, what is your fresh bread for today? What do you have for me today? Whether I've read this passage for the first time or the last, or or the hundredth time, right? And maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I don't read every day, and I don't read every week, and I haven't read through the Bible. That's okay. Start today. Start today. You can't go back and fix what you did yesterday or three weeks ago. I wish we had a time machine, right? We can go back to, you know, probably would make it worse than it was the first time, but start today with the Lord. His mercies are new every morning, right? Start today. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And I want us just to close our eyes for a second. I, I just, there's nothing magical about closing your eyes. I don't even know if it's in the Bible, but I just think sometimes it helps us to, to block out the distractions of the people around us and all that stuff. And I just want you to think through this morning out of the practical steps that I've laid out. Which one of these could I implement? I'm not saying you need to, to do all of them right? I talked about a lot of things. But what is one thing from this morning that you could take home and you could say, well, I could do that. I could pick a translation that makes sense to me. I could commit to reading one chapter a day. I could commit to journaling. I could commit to prayer walks with Jesus. I could commit to reading the scriptures with my spouse. I could commit to hanging out with Bob Oliver once a week and talking about the Bible, right? I could commit to that. What's one thing in your life, one thing this morning you could say to to approach the Bible afresh and anew, there's one thing I can do and take home with me. I just want you to take a second, think about that. And in this moment, I I want you to commit that to Jesus. I want you to talk to Jesus about it. God, I'm gonna gonna crack open that Bible every day at 8 a.m. and I'm gonna sit in that one chair in my living room. That's what I'm committing to this morning, to make a promise before you and Jesus this morning. I want you to do that. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we can stand together and sing one last song. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you didn't just leave us here on planet Earth to figure it out all on our own with no manual or instructions. I'm glad that our life comes with instructions. And Lord, I pray that we would follow your, your will, follow your leading from the scriptures. 
I pray that you would help us to see it afresh and anew, that we would not be a statistic we talked about this morning, but instead we would be a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness that we find when we read the Bible. And we allow it to transform us. We allow it to bother us. We allow it to be dangerous within us. Help us to have an intimate relationship with you through your scriptures, God. Allow us, Lord, not to think about what we have or haven't done from any point in the past to right now, God. But right now we choose to take steps to seek you and find you in the word of God. We thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit that helps us understand even the hard parts of the Bible. We thank you for your church family that helps us also understand the hard parts of the Bible. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways that you're going to work in our lives in the, in the coming weeks and months as we take a renewed and a fresh approach to reading the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you